Okay, we're back after a long hiatus since the rant on overpopulation. But uh, I have to apologize in advance. I have a cold today, so if I sound weird, that's why. Uh, apparently, Jason is being currently has the edges of whatever's left of the hurricane, or one of them anyway, uh, coming up towards, yeah, coming up towards his uh, where he's living, and he can hear it like outside and battering the house. So. Uh, he's, uh, he's, he's recording from a high danger zone today. <laughs> anyway, what would we... be the highest danger zone you could record from? Like you're like in the middle of Syria or something like that, trying to podcast in the middle of like an artillery bombardment. I mean, yeah. at that point you have your priorities fucked up, but that's a higher risk. I think. Yeah. No kidding. You have a grenade lobbed in. Oh, just a second here. <laughs> Hop over the next barricade. Okay. As I was saying. There's a fucking chemical attack going outside your front door, and it's like, don't worry, I got the gas mask on, boys, let's do this. I'll sound a little muffled, because I'm wearing a gas mask, uh, but I'm going to keep going. You're more worried about how you sound, rather than about your own safety. So, uh, I know that we were going to talk about Legion, but uh, I finally saw Logan. On the weekend, and I know that think? both of you had recommended that. Honestly, um, the first I didn't think the movie got good until after they left the hotel. After that, I thought it was a really good movie, but before that, I was not really enjoying it. I was sort of like, you know, just because you throw in some tits and have the characters swear doesn't make it not a generic superhero movie, and. Uh, Shauna pointed something out that was actually true for the whole thing. Um, something we really enjoyed, uh, that we really enjoy in other movies, it's like when we have a lead character that we're getting behind, is when they have some sort of sass and swagger to them, and Logan was just kind of depressed the entire movie. I mean, I get that he was dying, but at the same time, it's kind of like, Jesus Christ, man, like, like, show some life. Like, that had to be draining for Hugh Jackman to just, like, drag that, his ass around the screen the entire time. But that's the point of the movie. Yeah. You know what I, I mean, mean? And there's a reason that Hugh Jackman took a pay cut to do the film, because he loved the script on it, and that's the character he wanted to present. And it's, it goes, it, it wasn't a stereotypical uh, superhero movie, which is why I thought it was really good. If I wanted a movie where the main character... With like like Deadpool in just terms of like a charismatic, energetic individual who's going around doing their thing as a superhero, the rest of the genre, that's all it is. I mean, I can just go watch one of those. Yeah, but uh, 
there was like it was still essentially one emotion that he was showing for the entire film but like i said after they left the hotel i thought it was a pretty good movie and and really i mean obviously the movie wouldn't have been long enough but the movie could have essentially almost started there that that whole preamble with the mom and uh that 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 um where you don't know what's going on with Xavier and why it is that he's been cordoned off I actually thought was kind of uh kind of unnecessary I mean they could have done that in a lot shorter time span like I felt like the beginning part of that movie was a waste of time but then after they leave the different events with the uh like with the the crops with the corporation with that guy with the other uh the the weapon um version of himself coming into the to the family the whole thing with his daughter i all thought that that was a good movie like i was saying to shauna i would have rated the first part of the movie like five out of ten and the the second part of the movie like an eight and a half out of ten it yeah i mean it's just but you're not a big superhero movie guy anyway so it doesn't surprise me that you didn't enjoy it as much as say jason and i did because it was Honestly, like, if you're a fan of the genre, or even, like, respect it a little bit, that that was probably the best portrayal of Logan that they've ever put on screen. I'd agree to that. And, and it's definitely... It's, it's how he should be, especially in that movie with being depressed and everything. I mean, the whole Xavier killed everyone thing I didn't really get behind because that's fucked. Uh, he's supposed to be super depressed because he killed everyone. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it's an easier story to just have it as Xavier as opposed to Wolverine got mind-controlled and murdered the shit out of everyone, but... Yeah, and, yeah, and the whole, it's his daughter. It's not his daughter, it's his clone. I mean, like, by that logic, I mean, that other thing is his son. Well, it's I not... Mean, it's not his clone, it's uh, a combination of his genetics and the, the woman that was carrying them. So it is yeah. closer to his daughter than his clone. But yeah, I mean, yeah. it is it is a DNA extraction rather than like uh, a, whatever particular sperm went through the normal way. Well, and that's just a DNA insertion. I mean, it's a slight word difference, but it's still kind of the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I like I like, like I said, if I could just if I had just watched the second half of that movie, um, I would have been very positive about it because I thought that the second half was essentially where where everything happened, where all the character development was, um, where uh, like that was that was really all of the meat of the movie was all backloaded, and then well, the whole that, front part makes... was very very flat. You kind of you kind of want the the back half of the movie to be where the meat is, though. I mean, sure you you can make the argument that maybe they didn't need to do as much setup uh, at the start of Logan uh, as they did, but if you have a choice of either having the best part of the movie the first half or the best part of the movie the second half, I'd much rather have the best part of the movie the second half. And even if two movies had like the you have two movies and the first half of uh, the good first half of one movie is the same quality as. Uh, the good second half of a different movie, the movie that has the good second half is going to be better overall for me because there's just that, I don't want to get to that disappointment. I'd rather uh, end the movie on a high note. 
as opposed to a lot of Hollywood movies where they're just like, you can see the editing. They're like, oh, we're in a time crunch. And it's just like Hollywood tropish stuff at the end of a movie and you're just disappointed at the end. Yeah, but that's a false dilemma, though. You don't have to have it as an either or. You can have the whole movie be good. And I've seen movies where the whole movie is good. Yeah, then that's what makes a good or great movie. But uh, most movies, in my opinion, fail in the last third. Yeah, because they run out of ideas. That's especially true for comedies, it seems. They don't really know how to end them. Yeah, that's, that's a very common issue. It's just they don't they don't know how to properly wrap it up. And that's kind of the most important part of a movie is the wrap-up for me. Yeah, it's like uh, I think no, that's the what first I'm time I noticed that, Jason, was when we were watching There's Something About Mary, and the whole, the first sort of two-thirds of that movie was just comedy gold, and then... I don't remember what happened, but for some reason we couldn't finish the movie. And then I went back and watched the end. And I'm just like, oh, it would have been better off just leaving it where it was. <laughs> yeah. There's so many movies like that. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I mean, you're right. If you're if you end up having it where it's a, a more satisfying finish than a satisfying beginning, that's better. But obviously, it's better off if just the entire movie is good. But uh, and part yeah, of that might Hollywood be that does if you suffer have... from bad endings. Part of that might be that if you have a good first part, it raises your expectations and then you just, you're let down even more with a a crappy finish. Yeah, fair enough. That happens uh, with a lot of video games too, actually, I find where people have an idea for a game and then they sort of run out of ideas as they go on. And then, and then you get into, especially RPGs, you get into that grind phase where they're just like, oh, well, we have to put... X number of hours of gameplay, so let's uh, let's make it have a huge grind. Yeah, and, well, given the similarities in between uh, movies and games as an entertainment medium, it's not too surprising. With thing, I think that happens less with uh, books, but that's also because there's a different design philosophy when it comes to determining how you're going to create a story in a book and how you create a story in a movie or a game. Yeah, why is that? I mean, I I feel like. Okay, for a game, I understand they're trying to extend the gameplay, but why doesn't, for movies, why don't they have like the sort of concrete beginning and end? Because, yeah, when people set out to write a book, they're setting out to tell a story, and they have an end in mind as they're, like, they know where they want it to go. But it seems like sometimes people make movies without really having an end in mind, and it's sort of like, what? why is all this money being put between an incompletely finished thought? My best guess on this is that it's like a combination of the nature of how screenplays are written, uh, how the producers are affecting production, and just kind of like the formulaic nature that uh, the big studios tend to kind of impose on all their productions. Okay, so like this sells, so you have to have this in your movie, and I mean, have yeah, this look other at the person dark universe stuff. The Dark Universe stuff was uh, it's the the first one was the newest movie with uh, Tom Cruise, The Mummy, and it's kind of uh, a lot of people have recently with the uh, It came out, uh, Stephen King's It, and it's been doing fantastic. It's like a thirty two million uh, budget movie, and it's just doing fantastic in the theaters. It's made like fifty yeah, seven million this weekend or fifty four on day one. Yeah, it's it's so so it's doing great, and it's kind of one of those all right there's uh, an audience for what's essentially a really good horror movie, like not like a slasher fic kind of stuff, which is kind of what uh, most horror movies are. They're just this like uh, Jason or whatever kind of crap. 
but it's doing successful. And it's one of these things where uh, people are asking the question, why didn't Universal take their dark universe stuff and just kind of make it that kind of uh, dark, horror-y kind of stuff as opposed to uh, taking it and trying to make another generic semi-superhero uh, action movie genre, which is what they started to do with the money, the mummy, and their whole dark universe thing. Yeah, I see what you're saying. It, it again, My, it's them looking at market trends or whatever and being like, "Oh, yeah. well, they're already doing this, so this is safe." But here's Whereas the problem with it's that kind like of logic. if you if you actually give people something that's not already out in the marketplace, then there's a reason for them to go and see it. You give them exactly what's already out there, yep. then they've seen it. And there's there's other stuff that's already out there that's in the genre that's better than what they're doing anyway. So why not go a different direction? I mean, it it all comes down to money. They feel like they're going to make more money with uh, an action, like a a large connected universe series of action films based on the mummy and werewolf and whatever else they have the IP rights for. Large corporations, when a bunch of money gets involved, they're such copycats. Like they look at, they're they're afraid to put the money on something different, and so they just put it on the same thing over and over again because they go, hey, this sells. People go and watch this. But yeah, I mean, there hasn't been any kind of real horror movies. Like the, the 80s, it was like flooded with horror movies. And then they went, oh, there's too many horror movies, or people aren't going to see horror anymore. And then they just stopped, like completely. So my question is, you guys are, are saying how well it, it is doing in the box office, but has anyone actually heard if it's any good? Yeah, no, I've heard it's very good. Okay, because it's... it's one of those things that I really want to see, and I think the reason it's doing so well is because people of my generation, and I guess I guess yours as well, uh, do you guys remember seeing that as a child and how fucking terrifying that shit was? <laughs> I never how saw little, it. Yeah. I was, I think I was like 10 years old or some shit when I saw that shit, because it wasn't actually a movie. It was a made-for-TV kind of deal. Yeah, I remember parts of it. I remember his uh, kind of nightmare fuel. Yeah, and it scared the living fuck out of me at 10 years old. And it was just a fucking two-night TV event. Like, that's what it was. If memory serves, it was on a Sunday night for two weeks, and they did it in two parts. And, yeah, it was the scariest fucking thing I'd ever seen. And, like, to this day, I mean, if I went back and watched it, I'd be like, wow, this isn't, you know, nearly as bad as I thought it was. But my memory of it makes it a hell of a lot more terrifying than I think it is in reality. And I think that is why a lot of people are going to go see this new remake of it, because they remember how fucking scary that shit was. Well, and if it holds up to being as scary, then it's it's successful. It's it's successful in what it is at that point. But but it can't because it it scared me as a child. As an adult, it's gonna you know what I mean. It's not gonna have that effect, and I that's why I mean I'm interested to actually see how well it does or how good it is, not how well it does, because I mean people are going to see it because they're interested, right? Not necessarily because it's good. So I'm gonna have to take a look at it myself and. Because I'm very excited to see it. Because, like I said, I mean, it was it was the scariest thing I think I've ever seen. See, I'm I'm in the boat of actually being interested to go see it because I've heard it's really good, and I'll probably go see it like uh, maybe this weekend or something like that. I'll just simply on the premise that I've heard it's it's really good, and there's jack shit all else out there. I'm like you have like out there right now. Besides that, is like uh, Home Again, Leap. 
Luck and Log- or Logan Lucky, the Emoji movie. I mean, they just, I, just, they just did a lot of I, crap. I there. don't even know what these movies are. You're saying <laughs> these are the yeah, other what, these what are the you other saying? top these are the other top box office movies right now. I need a translator. He's saying words, but I don't understand <laughs> them. I saw a poster for the Emoji movie, and I immediately started making fun I threw of it, that knowing in as a, as a nothing. Farce. I mean, it's it's oh. still out there, but it's uh, I've heard it's super terrible. Oh, well, it's it it's an obvious cash grab, just being yeah. like it's, it's like the Angry Birds people, movie. Well, it's it's people being like, oh hey, what are those young people like? Oh, they like emojis with their emojis and their oh, let's make a movie about emojis. Like it's it's something that's obviously been made by people that are completely out of touch with what younger people would like. Like, like well, younger people aren't another species. They're just younger humans. Like, if you would find something insulting to your intelligence, they probably will too. Well, perhaps. But, like, let's, let's be honest. I mean, it's, it's not for us. It's for small children. You know what I mean? Oh, my and kids think it's think- stupid too. But... Have they seen the Emoji movie? They have no they interest in the Emoji well, that's movie. What, that's what I'm saying. I mean, we're bagging on the principle of a movie without actually having any information on it. Is there something and, wrong with that? No, and I, I, I agree. It's probably fucking stupid, but there is an audience out there for it, so... Is there? Yes! You're acting like everybody's it's not gotta... fucking retarded. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's definitely some kind of audience out there for, for it somewhere, and then... I mean, otherwise, they they had to have done like some kind of preliminary testing. Like, all right, there's going to at least be someone who goes and watches this movie. I and mean, I don't think they'll make back their money on it, or at the very least, they won't claim they have. But they wouldn't have. Like, I was looking at the cast right now. You have Patrick Stewart as poop. Of course. <laughs> and so, like, okay. you don't you don't go get Patrick Stewart if you're just like this is we're just we're going to make a complete shit film and just like. Whatever. Wait, I mean, it's still a shit film. He's playing he's, poop. He, he plays poop. But they they did have they did think they would make money off of it, and then if they didn't think they were weren't going to make money, they just would have like it would have been put on I don't know Hulu or Netflix or uh, some cable television thing. My cynical take on it is that the market for it are out of touch, like older uh, family members who also think, oh, hey, emojis, and then they take younger family members to it. It's entirely possible. And I, we're definitely struggling to, to try and figure out who, like, I don't know anyone who would be interested in watching the emoji movie, and that includes uh, relatives of mine that I consider to be out of touch. Yeah, like, even my kids had no interest in going to see that, and they like to go see shit movies, you know what I mean? Like, they, they liked Angry Birds, like my youngest did anyway, because that's his jam, right? They really liked Angry Birds, so oh, it's a movie about Angry Birds. Fuck yeah, I want to, I want to check this shit out. Uh, like my youngest really got into the the Captain Underpants movie. Loved that shit. Huh. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that fucking. Yeah, I'm familiar with the movie. I haven't the, seen anything, but it's uh, it's a pretty successful line of books, and he loves these books, and it's it's one of the few things we could get him to read, and he he would just fucking devour them. You know what I mean? Anything written by this author. I mean, yeah, my kids was, love the Captain Underpants books too. They kind of bothered me because they had mi- things misspelled in them intentionally, but yeah, but because it's meant to be written by children or whatever, right? The two kids or yeah. whatever. But yeah, it's so. I mean, 
in my mind, that's a stupid idea for a movie, but, like, he really dug it, so, I mean, whatever. If he enjoys himself, I don't care what it is, you know what I mean? Well, and here's the difference, though. The Angry Birds, uh, Captain Underpants, these are actual IPs. There's stories, there's concepts with them and whatnot. The Emoji Movie is just like, all right, here's a bunch of symbols, and we'll figure out some kind of story and just kind of smash all this shit together. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's get on to the actual topic with uh, with the new patch. I mean, I was I guess I should have been prepared for this when suggesting this as a topic that stuff was going to be gated like it is. Like I hadn't really thought about that we wouldn't be able to talk about the new dungeon because I would have loved to have been able to talk about the new dungeon, uh, and we it's not unlocked yet. Literally a day early. Yeah, yeah. I almost suggested us like putting this off again but it's like no it's been so long since we actually casted that let's 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 do this but uh what do you guys think of the uh think of the new zones the new content i feel like blizzard's learned some lessons from the uh broken shore gated launch kind of stuff and for the most part i like i mean there's a lot of catch-up stuff in there which is nice if i bother to find any interest to mess around with alts and whatnot and going through it a whole bunch the first times kind of interesting and all the all the mobs and all the the content out there is basically set up uh to be balanced properly for having the netherlight crucible unlocked and so these first couple of weeks kind of like oh this is actually uh semi-interesting because it's a bit more difficult than just i ride wherever i want to and just kind of like roll my face on my keyboard yeah, like I've actually had to group for some stuff, which is which is nice. It's a refreshing change, and yeah, I would say that that's the biggest thing from the the new content is that, uh, especially uh, along with artifact knowledge being universally unlocked now, um, that actually suddenly makes this expansion a lot more alts friendly than it was before. Because this that was probably the one thing with Legion before is that it was horrible for having multiple characters because you'd have to work up your artifact knowledge um, at, uh, and your artifact knowledge would be at a lower rate than other people's characters. And then yeah. they brought in the, the artifact knowledge 40 and then the tome to be able to give that to a new character. So that made that a lot faster. So then you could like grind your way up to concordance. And then with this new content, they're giving out just, and then artifact knowledge going up even more. It's just, they're giving out obscene amounts of artifact power. So it's actually suddenly viable to like level up another character, and and I did because I was interested in uh, having a character that I wanted to DPS on. I did the usual um, two characters for the expansion, but I don't really like Warrior anymore. I don't like the direction that they took the class, and uh, I certainly don't like DPSing on a Warrior. So I uh, I leveled up a Druid because um, and I really enjoy the way that actually both of their DPS specs play out. And for now, I'm balanced, but it's nice to have that option to, to swap to the other one if I want to. And I'm aware that that's the case with Warrior, but I was just thoroughly not enjoying ARMS, and I knew that I'm familiar with Fury's playstyle, and it would have been more fun, but at the same time, I was just like, eh, I'm not really feeling Warrior this expansion. But yeah, I was actually able to like level one up, and now I've <laughs> now I'm I'm actually healing almost as much content as I am DPSing. So now I've got two healers, but that's fine. <laughs> there's always uh, people always need a healer along for stuff. How about you, John? What do you think about the new content? 
honestly, anyone that's listened to us talk about WoW in the past is going to know my opinion on this. Fucking hate it. Elaborate. It, it fucking... I hate the Isle of Kel'Thalos. I hate Timeless Isle. I hate Tanan Jungle. I hated the Broken Shore. And now they gave us two Timeless Isles in this expansion. Like, Jesus fucking Christ, Blizzard, put some effort into some shit. All it is is one fucking catch-up zone after the next. What would you like to have seen instead? An actual storyline fucking zone. Not just, come here, do two quests. Okay, see you in a week, you're just doing world quests now. Oh, here's two new quests. Back to your world quests. It's like, can we get a fucking storyline happening here? Nope, just, oh, walk over there, pick that up. Hey, you picked it up, good job. Now go grind out that easy gear. I don't, I don't know how much more of a story you want for slightly gated content in the fashion it is when we're talking about stuff like Illidan kill the Naru. Uh, oh, yeah. that, was, that was awesome! And well, nobody, no, no, you don't get to say it's anything. awesome. You can, everything sucks for you. You don't get to say anything's awesome here. <laughs> no, 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 I like the storyline aspect. I don't like the complete lack of fucking storyline. It's like, yeah, Illidan killed the Naru. Any, anybody got anything to say about that? No. Oh, yeah, the one dude tried okay. to smash him with a sword. Yeah, that was... But, it was a little weird, the, the lack of stuff afterwards. And, okay, I don't know if you... Okay, some... I guess the, uh, um, what's their faces, the Draenei would consider the Nehru to be gods, but I mean, Illidan was like a man and he's, he was more powerful, like, but, so I guess demigod would be a better way to describe them, but, uh, I mean, you essentially just killed a god, a god is dead, and then they turned it into fuel. Yeah. <laughs> like, did, did that not get anyone Wait. else? Like, they turned uh, it into, yeah, they used it great. as fuel. Is that any weirder than eating the body of Christ, though? Uh, no, I guess not, no. but the whole, just, the picking up the pieces of it, oh, well, what do we do? Uh, like, do we bury it? Do we try to put our, it back together? God's dead! No, well, pick up what you can and toss them in the fucking oven. Exactly, like, you figure all the shards are there, they, they usually, with, in WoW, you would have tried to put it together or something like no, that, or, or, or try no to find... Big, no big funeral service or anything, just throw it in the crucible and let's see what happens? Exactly. And this is like, isn't it Valen who tells you to do this? Like, pick up some shards of it and go put it in the machine. Valen's fucking lost his shit and I'm loving it. Like, he's so much more interesting, like, recently. Like, this expansion than he's ever been. Yeah, still- I'll give him credit for that. I mean, I, I still don't really care for the character much, but it's he's a lot more interesting of a character at this point than he was previously. He still kind of annoys me with this whole just the light this, the light that, and yeah. I did like the Illidan actually saying to him like, "You use that as an excuse for for poor behavior." Yeah, this entire the entire uh, Illidan Velen interaction in Illidan basically in this uh, Argus stretch has been some of the better writing that Blizzard has done in a long time. I mean, that's I not agree. saying it. That's not saying it's like great. It's it's not going to be like, oh yeah, I wish there was a book of this or something. But Blizzard's had a pretty like mediocre to low standard in terms of its story writing for quite a long time. And so it's refreshing to have something that's actually just in- generally interesting as opposed to just pure trope. Yeah, and it's nice to see 
It's nice to see one of the main characters calling another one of the main characters on their shit. Because usually they're, the conflict between them is so contrived. Like, even at the start of this yeah. expansion, oh, with God. the whole... Uh, like, Horde gets attacked from behind, and all you see from Alliance perspective is, oh, the Horde is abandoning us to die. It's like, they got fucking attacked. Like, they were... were The whole, uh, we gotta let the Horde into Dalrat. I'm Jaina! No, they can't come! Well, they have to. I'm leaving! Like, wait, what? Calm the fuck down, bitch! Yeah, I've been so disappointed. And I, I'm pretty sure I've said this before. I've been so disappointed with most of the writing of WoW for uh, most of the game, actually. I mean, yeah, like kind the of entire going, time. They've been going off the back. They went off the back of uh, their previous like Warcraft, Warcraft 2 and 3 uh, story stuff, which was not bad. And I just didn't show the weakness of the actual story places because of the, the type of games that those were. But they went on the backs of those stories up until the end of Lich King. And at the end of Lich King, they basically demonstrated how inept they were at creating a really good story. And then you started getting some of the crazy things. That's where you ended up with like shit with like warlords and crap like that. And so it just it's good that they are if either showing a bit of skill or just having to luck out. So why is it that some... Uh, game studios are just really inept at storytelling and other ones are so good. Like if you look at, uh, like there was a nice thing on Reddit uh, yesterday, I think it was, comparing Obsidian to Bethesda because both of them did Fallout games, right? And showing the, uh, uh, talking about, uh, like when you're playing New Vegas, Caesar's Legion and all the justifications behind why they are the way that they are and essentially like stability at all costs and uh, that the individual has to uh, come behind the state, essentially, and that that's that's basically like for sustainability, etc. And uh, then versus the Institute from Fallout 4, which was written after New Vegas had already been out, and then it's like, okay, well, what's your reasoning for doing the things you do? And they're just like, oh, you wouldn't understand. Nah, and that really comes down to who you have at each of the companies one. I know that Bethesda has gotten some accolades in the past because, yeah, they've had actual writers and whatnot, and people are like, oh, Bioshock, one of the best games of all time, and all this stuff. A lot of the games don't really have all that great of writing. And that's a bit of me being a bit of a latest because I really enjoy reading a really good book, and I consider books to be a much better medium to tell a really good story, so I don't necessarily play games to try and get uh, as good a story from them, but I, you know what, I found the, I mean, I know Ken kind of got into it, but I found the Borderlands story to be really interesting, and maybe that's just me, but I, I really liked the way they told it, the that two K did that or whatever, and it was, I don't know, I think it's underrated. Um, there's there's definitely some weak points in places, and there's also some really strong points in places. I don't know if you've played uh, Tales from the Borderlands at all. Oh no, I haven't. I I mean to get into that, but I mean, who's got the time, right? <laughs> well, it's, I've heard it's pretty much Telltale's best game. But if you really like Borderlands, then that's probably the one to check out. I I, I do, and I I love the fact that each game tried like the w- the way that the pre sequel took the entire storyline that you think you know and tells it from a different point of view, and changes the entire way you see it. I thought, I thought that was brilliant. 
Yeah, it's it's just it's weird to me how some studios will consistently put out a good storyline, game after game, and then other studios just don't seem to know how to do it. And I wonder if it's a case of just having the right person at the top who recognizes whether or not someone has the ability to tell a good story. And it makes me wonder if whoever it is that's in charge of that at Blizzard is not really capable of seeing uh, what differentiates a good from a bad story. Same with Bethesda, but then at at studios like uh, Obsidian, you do. I think some games put more emphasis on story than others, or some studios, I guess. Like, Square is really, really good at telling a story. Yeah. Well, here's Square's really, really good at telling the same story. They that's all they do. They tell the same story over and over again, and that's kind of the the thing with the Final Fantasy series. That it's essentially the almost like a Wheel of Time element of just they're telling the same story in a different setting. But well, I mean, some of them were pretty similar, but some of them were pretty fucking different. I I honestly haven't played any Final Fantasy stuff since. Uh... I don't know, the early 2000s, late 90s, so I'm not up with how they're doing on storyline these days. But they certainly used to tell a hell of a good story. I haven't checked it out since, um, what was it, uh, the one that they put out for the PS4, where it was all Flash and fucking nothing else. The, The game was completely linear, and fucking the story was weak as fuck, and... It was all look, look, look at our crazy new graphics, and look, look at these cool cutscenes, and oh, <laughs> what, what do you think about this? And it's like this is all shit. Give me eight bit and a good fucking story. Yeah, it, it's just, uh, I just find it strange because it's like at at certain studios, you will have different writers, and they will turn out a good story, and then at other studios. It doesn't matter how many writers you go through. They don't have a good story. Like, uh, again, Bioware would be another one that did lots of great stories. I haven't done any of their games since EA took them over, but I heard that that, uh, that takeover was essentially, like, uh, really lowered the quality of the company, so I haven't exactly been eager to go back and play any, or play any of their newer stuff. There just must be some kind of... like. When someone writes a book, yeah, they it goes through the editing process and whatnot, but for the most part, uh, what comes out is essentially their their creation, kind of their pure creation. When it comes to a story in a video game, there's other elements in there that, yeah, uh, you have a writer, and some and part of what happens with a lot of companies is they'll they'll have the same writers for a lot of stuff. And so if a company, sticking with its writer and you don't really think they wrote a good story chances are that's going to continue on down the the way but there's also a different um connection in between the individuals writing the games and then the actual programmers where they have to figure out how to make the story like physically not not physically represent the game but digitally represent elements of the story and whatnot in the game itself and there's because it's just that some it has to be translated in a certain fashion, and sometimes that just doesn't work. Well, I I don't know. I mean, like some some games, like the entire Mass Effect series, uh, 
Fallout 1 and 2 and New Vegas uh like you you just you see these these series where it's just like a lot of where a lot of time passes in between games not so much the Mass Effect series but uh like the Witcher series and it's just like it's it's always a consistently high product and then of course I hear Mass Effect Andromeda is just complete oh, dog shit garbage. Yeah. The, the something that that was like Mass Effect 3 was still good because it started production with when it was completely Bioware and then EA took over at the end. And what's the problem that everyone has with the game? The ending. That's one of the most disappointing, disappointing games I've ever played. Because yeah, it's amazing up until the end? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, like, uh, I guess I'm getting way off topic, but the, the new content I've found... I'm I'm getting a little tired of the grind at this point with going around and doing the different world quests. I haven't necessarily been doing it. I I think part of what John's problem is is that he on his max level characters like he is always does like all of the quests and I like that's got to be mentally exhausting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, actually I have dramatically rolled back the amount of stuff that I'm doing like for like I don't um on my monk for my tank spec there's only one legendary i don't have i don't have sefus so it's like uh what do i need to do the emissaries for a little bit more ap at this point the the ak knowledge is going to keep on going up and so grinding out ap doesn't necessarily have a, a really big return at the moment and i don't need to continue to improve my bad luck protection on the legendary stuff because there's no there's not going to be any more legendaries worth getting uh on my monk for the remainder of the expansion so it's kind of like all right, I can take a step back. I don't have to worry about continuing to grind out all this type of stuff because, yeah, I, if I'm spending like two, three hours a day doing all kind of world quest stuff and making sure every I'm getting like the absolute uh, maximum everything out there, that really does wear down. And so it's been uh, part of the reason that I've been okay with a lot of Argus stuff is that I've taken a fairly big step back and just kind of like, only doing what I need to do and otherwise just going and doing something else, even if that's not uh, playing WoW at all. Makes sense. Um, yeah, on my, my new Druid, or new-ish, at this point, uh, I've been having a ridiculously hard time getting legendaries. Like, uh, I... You know how there is that calculator? I mean, it's still around uh, for how many legendaries you should have. I'm behind on both the resto and the uh, and the balance spec, and I know that the the drop chance is calculated separately for each spec. I finally got a second one for balance, but I've just been running a ton of content, and it's like uh, like being behind on legendaries is the biggest sort of inhibiting thing for alts right now for them being yeah. viable, because especially for uh, uh, especially for damage. I think uh, some of the the legendaries, like your damage, is very dependent on whether or not you get the right, the correct legendary drop. And I know that that they're wanting to give people a reason to log in and and play, but it's sort of like if you can't really be competitive without the correct legendary, it's like you're uh, you're not necessarily going to want to continue playing that character when it's just like when you spend when you can clear all of the Mythic Zero dungeons and do, like, all the Raid Finder and friggin' do all this other stuff, and you're putting in, like, uh, like so much time. Like, if you're spending all this time just basically running content that doesn't really even do anything for your character other than just trying to, like, get a legendary drop chance, it's it's really wears down the player, and I, I still feel like uh, 
legendary drop chance needs to be increased for new characters because yeah you have characters now that if they were leveled up at the start of the expansion they do have every legendary or even partway through they could add something in your class hall where it's like you for like fucking who knows let's say ten thousand order resources you set one of your guys to work on fucking finding one of these legendaries for you and it takes like a week you know what i mean but he comes back with the one you want Instead of I having to fucking grind out all this shit, but like, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think they could do it where you could get the exact legendary you wanted, but I do think that the uh, drop rate should be dramatically improved. Like, c- currently, you have an increased chance to get your first one, uh, a slightly reduced chance to get your second, and then there's kind of like what's currently the baseline, and the third and beyond are all the same uh, percentages, and they just need to bump that up and like uh, dramatically increase the. F- the first, uh, increase second, third, fourth, maybe even go to fifth kind of deal because it uh, Ken's right in that if you have a new character at this point, what you're behind on isn't uh, so much AP and AK because you can catch up on those really. Obviously, you catch up on AK really easy at this point, but because AK keeps on going up, you catch up on AP really easy and you're really only going to be like one or two trait levels behind anyone who's going to town. But you're behind on legendaries. And the only way to catch up on that is to put in a ridiculous amount of time grinding out stuff that's basically going to make your mind numb. And so it's one of those systems that I hope they find some way to address that in the next expansion because uh, right now it's just you, you're in this position where if you've been playing since the start, you don't really have anything else to do with the legendaries. It's a system where you have uh, your choice of these super item things and it's not super it's not all that exciting anymore because you're not getting any more legendaries but if you're a new character you're way behind on it and you might not actually get the legendaries you want before the expansion is over yeah like i actually uh, my priest who was the main character i leveled up for this still doesn't have the legendary i really want and it's just it's you know it, it hasn't dropped yet and it takes a long time and then I have this new character that it's like I the first legendary that I had dropped for me wasn't a good legendary. And I've heard that something that people have resorted to doing is leveling another one, another character of the same class just to see what legendaries they get as their first couple of drops. Because it does take a long time to get the ones after that unless you're insanely lucky because the drop chance starts so low and then you slowly build up your bad luck protection as you go through more content, but it's weird, like, it, like the legendary drop chance should have been gradually increasing as this expansion's gone on, but actually with my druid, I've never had it take this long to get legendaries. Like, I've never had to run this much content and had it take this long to get legendaries. Like, I, I only finally got my second legendary yesterday, and I've uh, since him hitting 110, I've I've run through like pretty much everything I can do each week, and it's just it's it is mind numbing. It's it's like mentally yeah. exhausting. And that's that's just you uh, kind of rolling bad percentage. Like the percentage to get a legendary is really low. I don't think Blizzard's actually ever said what it is, but I imagine it's uh, fractions of a decimal place for the most part, and just the bad luck protections can continues to increase it. Well, I mean, but, Ken, I've been rolling the monk here as long as you've been rolling the druid. Pretty much exactly. I mean, I took that week off, and you did a little bit in that week, but I didn't. And so, I mean, and I dinged just 
a few fucking days before you. So I, I'd say we're about even and yeah. running about the same amount of content. And you've got two legendaries. I've got three. And two of them are complete fucking dog shit. Yeah, for both of us, it took a long time. Like, it took a long time for our drops. Like, for the for the amount of content that we've been doing. Like, usually, at sort of a more normal rate of playing. Like, I've been playing the hell out of this game. At a more normal rate of playing, uh, I I would have had at least as many legendaries as I do now. With having run probably a quarter of the content that I've been doing. Like, basically just doing the, the emissary stuff... And then running Mythic Plus was basically all I was doing before. But with the new character, it's like I've been running everything. Yep, everything I possibly can to get fucking legendaries. And just, it's like, not happening for me. Here's here's something about the legendary system as a whole is, if you think about uh, most specs in the game, the majority of their legendaries are garbage. Like, I don't know what legendaries you got on the monk and what specs you're, you're doing, <laughs> he got, but... He got the biggest piece of shit legendary I've ever seen. It's like, you do extra damage if the enemies are above 90% health. Oh, symbiote? That's actually, that's actually a, a decent one in certain kinds of content. I'm a tank! Yeah, it's still not that bad. Yeah, it's terrible! Oh, no, here's the thing. I mean, I main uh, a brewmaster... And that's one of the better DPS ones. Monks don't have any oh, difficulty monk, staying yeah. alive. Yeah, those DPS fucking legendaries that I looked at, those don't look good. I mean, the Brewmaster one, there's some really good ones on there. Like, I've got the shoulders right now, and I'm really liking those. Is that the I'm, double keg smash? Yeah. Yeah. 25% increased damage on him and just makes it fantastic. So yeah, yeah Jason I, John I, I, leveled a, a Brewmaster, and he's been tanking stuff recently. Anyway, continue. <laughs> Yeah, and I'd, I'd really like to get the one that uh, where Keg Smash resets the cooldown on Breath of Fire. I think that would be fucking amazing. Like, the chest. Nice yeah. synergy. Nice synergy but, there. But no, I get the fucking shoulders, I get fucking Kill Jaden's Burning Wish, and I get the piece of shit fucking belt holder upper. Okay, yeah, that's the one the I thing. got, right? You have trinket? three of the best four uh, offensive legendaries for Brewmaster. They're... But <laughs> I... Fuck offensive legendaries! I want a second tanking legendary! No, the only tanking legendary that you really probably want is the Ring of the Lost Abbey. Because otherwise, Brewmasters are one of the sturdiest, hard-to-kill tanks in the game. And is, unless you're doing, like, mythic progression or, like, uh, at this point, like, 13, 14, 15 level mythic plus keys, it's you don't need that extra defensive stuff, but the extra offensive elements help more than the, the defensive does. Yeah, we've been we run a lot of myth but plus. It's, but that belt's only viable for the first ten percent of the boss. Like, how is that good? Well, it's better in uh, mythic plus than it is in a raid. But yeah, just for that snap threat on initial mob. Because that was, that it, was the use open. I was thinking of for it, especially on like skittish week where your damage or your threat is reduced by seventy five percent. Doing that extra like snap threat would be helpful. But otherwise, I don't. It doesn't seem particularly useful to me. Well, here's here's why it's one of the better uh, offensive legendaries for Brewmasters because most tanking legendaries are garbage for almost everything, but especially for doing any kind of extra damage. So you take it where you can get it. I don't know. I think the double keg smash. Uh, sure, but that only came into the game. That only came into the game uh, in the last content patch. But that's all I know, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. 
but combining that with the breath of fire every time you keg smash, I mean, I that think does that, seem that's, awesome. Yeah, because I mean, breath of fire's only got what like a 15 second cooldown, which isn't a lot, but with two keg smashes, you're only doing it half the time. So you can you can uh, you can keg smash twice and breath of fire three times essentially. I mean, I don't yeah. know why you'd breath of fire before you keg smash because it still it still does that thing where it like coats them in oil and then you set them on fire with breath of fire, right? Like there wouldn't be any point to breath of firing before keg smashing. Not that I can see, no. No. I always thought you know if you can set them on fire with whatever you have in those kegs, that's not. That's not brewing those kegs. It's more like moonshine. Because <laughs> your typical brew is not yeah, is not flammable. Moonshine or monk just doesn't have the same ring to it. No, it doesn't. A hillbilly mountain folk monk. But yeah, how are you finding the uh, how are you finding the the monk tanking? Oh, it's stupid easy. And I remember Jason saying, "Oh, they're they're gonna break it, and the the community's freaking out." And I just don't see it. Like the community, uh, the community's still not super happy about some of the changes, especially the the brew duration stuff. Uh, they kind of simplified things down a bit, but it's still, as far as tanking goes, as far as, it's the most fun tank spec out there, and it's still probably uh, the most complicated in terms of the mental math required when you find yourself in a pinch and you're having to figure out. All right, I have uh, two brews left. I have one keg smash. There's 15 seconds left on. Black Ox Brew, the incoming damage is currently this. The Raid Boss's uh, CD for Fell Claws or whatever is coming up in three seconds. How do I use my brews? Yeah, I've been enjoying, actually, the the interplay on balance. Because uh, i never played Druid before. But just the the having to deal with Astral Power along with uh, and you know keeping your dots up it's kind of minor but it's still a thing um, and uh, your empowerments from Star Surge and then the the whole like new moon spell that comes along with the uh, with the artifact it's it's an interesting sort of balance between like ways to get yourself artifact power because you're trying to always keep it where when you're casting your other spells that they've got the empowerment from having like essentially spent your your uh, astral power before that and it's just like um the what spell you're using changes depending on essentially where you're at in with like your spell cast like there's a lot of different sort of overlapping cooldowns to uh to keep track of like over overlapping kind of like spell cooldowns and like uh amounts of power and it's uh it actually keeps damage fairly engaging and what how you spend that power changes depending on the situation as well, which is another sort of added layer of um, complexity that kind of makes player choice or player ability make a difference. So I've, uh, I've been enjoying that. Um, Druid healing uh, is very different from priest healing. Not as different as if I were playing a paladin. Um, priest, I still I like healing on a priest better. It still has the larger toolkit, essentially. Like, it has more different spells to suit the situation um and of course priests essentially put a hot on people after they've healed them that will continue healing them up based on a percentage of what the original heal was whereas as, as i understand it paladins are essentially all direct healing but yeah druids are are like only heal over time like they they do have um like one direct or well two direct healing spells but no one uses the slower cast one but uh 
um, for them, it's sort of like you really, I mean, you have to predict damage as any healer to be good at it. But for a druid, it's like um, you're, you essentially have, uh, you conceivably have more throughput, but you don't have that kind of snap healing. And it's, a, it's, it's really different and it's, it's kind of interesting to, uh, to play on it. And stuff where I, I lose people in Mythic Plus is different than where I lose people on a priest because it's like uh, uh, on on a priest it's like say I was running Court of Stars you know that fell explosion from the uh, um, whatever they're called you know those the the single ads that call out the uh, other ads off the boss um, and then they put that explosion dot on everyone on a druid that's no problem because as the dots ticking uh, the hots are healing people back up on a priest it's like you can you can like not necessarily keep pace with it like it's it's very challenging on a priest whereas on a druid it's like it's no sweat whereas uh lantern boy um his damage comes a lot faster uh and i can usually heal through that on a priest but have trouble with it on a druid sorry the lantern guy in uh, maw of souls mariner yeah yeah so yeah that's been it's been interesting with the seeing the different kinds of healing but uh um the healing classes are definitely not balanced around uh, around Mythic Plus. They're definitely balanced around rating. Because like, rating, it's like all of the damage that you take is magic damage, essentially, as a healer. And so uh, you just play whatever class you like the, the heals on best. But uh, there's a remarkable amount of physical damage that goes out in dungeons. And as a result... Paladins are just, they're better. They're just straight up better. Uh, and also as the damage scales up, you want that sort of snap healing more than you want sort of the, the gradual healing or the, the sustained healing. And it, and it does depend on the mobs. But uh, uh, if you look at the, the top Mythic Plus parses, they're, they're, or key runs, like ones who get it done, they're pretty much all Paladins because uh, Paladins simply don't die to as much stuff. Like I find if I'm running black or cold on my priest, there's so much physical damage in there from like the, the archers or the rogue kind of guys. And it's like, um, two archers shoot a priest, the priest dies, two archers shoot a paladin, the paladin goes to half health. And it's just the difference between plate and cloth. And it's, it's a little bit weird that, I mean, and I know that that's kind of a legacy thing going all the way back to vanilla, like the, the different types of armor, but all the, the classes are balanced to essentially do the same kind of healing throughput in your average game situation, but you simply have one class that has significantly more survivability in the current state of the game than another class does. And it's I kind of understand it, but it's also a little frustrating. Like if I want to do and I love Mythic Plus, like it's my favorite part of the game, and it's really revitalized WoW for me because raids get old. Like they, they're very formulaic. If you know how to beat a boss once, you know how to beat a boss every time because they're going to do the same thing every time. But uh, and, and to some degree, it's the same with Mythic Plus, but it's like there's a lot more of that. It's, you have to know how to beat these certain trash packs. You have to know, like, like you have to learn an entire dungeon as opposed to just these particular raid bosses and then uh, there's and there's multiple dungeons. So I love doing that. But it's like if I want to push those really high keys, um, I essentially have to level a paladin uh, because 
if I'm doing up to around right now at the current scaling, it's sort of mythic. I'd say 14 is where uh, my priest just starts getting one shot and there's nothing I can do about it. And that I find a little bit frustrating, um, but it's sort of like, well, uh, I, like I have it in my head where it's like, I know how much time it would take, but it's kind of like I'm, I'm, I've been thinking about leveling a paladin just because I would like to run that that harder content because I, I really enjoy a challenge. It's just uh, um, there's there's challenging that you can overcome with player ability, and then there's challenging where it's just like you're not the right class, and it's a little frustrating to be capped out based on what character I happen to be playing rather than my ability to actually heal stuff because I could predict the damage and everything like that and it's just like oh okay I just died because two archers shot me at the same time or because knife dance happened happened to be going on yeah and I know you kind of suggested that the I mean healer healer bounce is definitely tricky because of how uh, mechanically different some of them are and that's like where a, a druid really shines when there is a lot of kind of medium to low consistent damage uh, all over the place because they can just hot up every single individual and it's going to make their numbers jump up high. And, and as you had suggested, that doesn't work out as well in a, um, a Mythic Plus because it's a five-man thing and because to introduce danger in Mythic Plus, Blizzard has simply gone with the, all right, there's more stuff that's going to take off much larger chunks of your health to the point where... Uh, you might have like a global or two to save someone. And if you had to play triage because the the tank was stupid or something, then someone just might simply die and you don't have the opportunity to do anything because the damage output is just so high that they're gone in that window. Oh yeah. And I definitely have to triage because yeah, there's not time to, to heal people. So it's sort of like basically like whoever is the lowest damage or who's not needed for a particular mechanic, they get, when when everyone is essentially about to die, they get last priority essentially, and I'll I will heal other people. It's like okay, either the highest damage of that mechanic keep them alive. I have time and get another person. I have time to get another person. You know, and it's like you just go through people by by priority essentially. If you can save everyone, you do because it's like you know you have a a decently powerful AOE heal, but it's its radius is only so large, and it's like I'm even going to throw that at people that are going to uh, uh that you really want to keep alive or just wherever you can essentially keep the most people alive by uh by doing that but yeah you you do you definitely do have to play that game as a healer sometimes and it's a little bit frustrating when you have to when someone has to die but if it's not a wipe it's kind of like it's it still adds something it's a little bit in, in somewhat of a disappointing way but uh like that kind of gameplay is is okay by me, but you're right. They essentially just scaled everything up and certain classes work better for it than others. Um, Druids can do okay in some of the higher level Mythic Plus. Like, they will survive some stuff that a priest won't. Um, and they can sort of pre-heal people before they take damage if, you really, if you're really good about knowing where the damage is going to come and that can be... That can be all right, but uh, yeah, I mean, if you're wanting to push the really high keys, you essentially want to be a paladin and nothing else. Yeah, I mean, it's same. It pretty much goes the same with DPS. Like some of them are better for Mythic Plus, and some of them just aren't as good. Like I really like my mage, but 
some weeks I just I can't even bring myself to put my mage into a mythic plus just because I know it's going to be a nightmare. Yeah, that being very cast time dependent. If there's interrupts or um, if there's something that's going to like lock you out, if you or, get locked out of arcane, <laughs> you're yeah, not casting uh, anything. I'm sitting there for fucking six seconds, going do do do. Yeah, as a yeah, druid, even if I got locked out of one school, I've got a whole other school of magic. Like if I got locked explosive. out of arcane, I can it's use. Like, those orbs, I barely have enough time to cast something at them, and hope to God I get it off right in time, because otherwise it's blowing up. Yeah, I do not this... have that instant cast blow up a fucking orb shit. Yeah, because you spend all of your whatever powerful stuff if you use an instant cast, whereas with druid, it's just like, you just go between just moonfire, 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 or sunfire as the case may be, probably more likely sunfire, because they do the same amount of direct damage, and then there's a large chance that if you already sunfired one, then it's sunfired the other ones that are in that radius, and then they're, when as a druid, when they have that dot on them, it ticks up and increases the direct damage that's done by that spell, or it increases damage from that school, so yeah, you'd just be sun-firing like, all of them. But you can basically, just as fast as your GCD is, uh, kill orbs, and yeah, it's... Uh, so yeah, all classes are definitely not created equal. Um, I know one of the uh, the classes that's really commonly run at high Mythic Plus keys is Rogue, and I'm not sure entirely why. I know that Obviously, stealth and sap, but... Oh, survivability, that makes sense. Because that's part of the reason why there's uh, so many rogues being used in the early kill Jaden kills, is because they were a combination... Like, most... most you have, you have kind of, like, uh, three categories for DPS. You have actual damage output, uh, you have survivability, and you have utility. And rogues have all three, where most DPS classes only have two of the three. And so that's why there's like four rogues in the the world first kill Jaden kill, and that's why they're also really useful uh, in a high end mythic stuff because they they have the damage, they have survivability on their own, and they have utility. Makes sense. And rogue is one of those classes where it's always been good. Like I can't think of a time where rogue has been bad, but it's it's kind of funny how few people actually play rogues, and I guess it's just being limited to I don't know, just being being damage and being melee, I, I guess I, that's just you know not what? appealing to some people. I really liked my rogue for the longest time. Could not get into it this X-Pack. They just dumbed it down so much that it just didn't even feel like a rogue to me anymore. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm out. I can't blame you for that. They changed so many of the classes so dramatically. I think that uh, and we've talked about class fantasy in some of the previous casts, but I think that whether or not you appreciate and like the class fantasy is a much larger part of whether or not you like a class at this point uh, because mechanically all the classes are simpler and you're not yeah, really... I, I used to really like a rogue because they were rather complicated you had so yeah. much stuff to keep up at all times and you had to time it right to keep everything going and to maximize your DPS and shit and now it's just like what what is this? <laughs> I mean all, almost all the classes are like that Pretty much. I mean, uh, Windwalking Monk is still pretty interesting with the whole uh, skill dance. It can be. Uh, uh, to, to make sure you don't use the same thing twice. And the hit combo sure, talent. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I find that really interesting. And I mean, that's how their mastery works too. It's not just that combo. Yeah. And it's, it's good, it's enjoyable, but it's also set up in such a way that 
you kind of naturally do it for the most part anyways, except for when uh, you have most of the ability, like when Fist of Fury and Sunrise Kick and uh, the Artifact Weapon are, are all on cooldown or whatnot, you might find that you forget to do uh, where you are in your rotation in terms of the, the palms, but... Yeah, I've, I've run into that a few times and it's like, oop, fuck, oh well, starting over. Yeah, but you get you get used to it fairly well, and especially if you play Brewmaster a lot as well. There's a lot of similarities in terms of uh, the rotation being in your head and just kind of knowing where you're at in the rotation. Yeah, the thing I don't like about it is the, that's kind of fucking me up a little bit is Brewmaster. There's no problem like with jabbing twice. If you need to, you know, lower the cooldown on your brews and keg smashes down. I mean, it's not something I come into a lot of. It doesn't happen to me a lot now that I got double keg smashed, but like sometimes, you know, nothing else is up. So let's just jab a few times and lower the cooldown on the bruise. Well, but what, you, you uh, can't do that. Oh, I guess since you don't walker. have, I guess since, yeah, I guess since you don't have the chest though, that is something that you have to do. This is why the, the chest is uh, one of my favorite legendary brewmasters because it makes the rotation smooth. You pair it with the uh, blackout combo and the rotation is, I. Uh, there's really no downtime on the rotation. You have to, you don't have to find any filler as long as you're running rushing Jade Wind as well. Uh, I don't know if I'm running. I, you know what? Honestly, I don't even know if my talents are right. <laughs> I don't, I don't really die that often. I mean, I'm pretty, pretty stout. Yeah, I guess that's what the master does good. Yeah, so we need to run more challenging content too, though. Like this, these plus ten and plus eleven keys aren't doing I'm, it for me. I'm totally okay with that, but if we're going to run challenging content, we can't just take shit people. I know. I agree. And too often we're taking people that are fucking dying to everything they can possibly die to. Yeah. No, we can't do that. And I'd rather do a lower level key and just get it done than spend fucking 40 minutes trying to find the right group. You know what I mean? doesn't take that long. You just look people up. I guess, but you you know you what I mean. You don't have though, right? to always like, run with people you know. Yeah, that's that's probably something we should maybe shy away from doing a little more. Well, I mean, I already do. I run with people I know, and I run with people I don't know. If I'm really wanting to push content, frankly, I run with people I don't know. Some of the some people I know are really good at Mythic Plus, but I don't know that many people that are really into Mythic Plus and run it on a regular basis and as such know the pulls, know where death is going to happen. And, and that's so most important people, at the higher levels. Yeah, most people I run with, they just sort of run one dungeon sort of just like another dungeon. So when they run into those particular mechanics, um, if, you know, I can try and tell them about it on Discord ahead of time or something like that, but it's like sometimes there's going to be a wipe or two um, before they're on top of it. But if you run with people that what they like to do in the game is run Mythic Plus. They already know about that, and they're already avoiding it, and then you can actually start getting some of those higher keys um, within the time limit. Like, I ran a plus 15 this week, and I would not really... I, I don't know how many people I know uh, that I run with on a more regular basis that I'd want to try a 15 with. I don't even know if I'd want to try a 15, man. It's just... I don't... I don't know. And with well, right now, it's all for like the it. bragging rights. 
Yeah. I mean, for me, it's just I like running challenging shit. It's it's what's fun for me in the game is running, like, high-level Mythic Plus keys and having to, like... Because it's all kind of like a puzzle. Like, each pull is essentially kind of a puzzle. Like, you're having to figure out, okay, this is what I need to do here. All right, this is coming up. These guys are going to do this. And then you're you're figuring out how to counteract that, how to survive it, that sort of thing. Um that's uh like i just i don't know i just enjoy it like it, it's really mentally engaging like the whole just running around grinding not super mentally engaging like i don't i don't really like running easy content it just sort of feels like a hamster wheel but uh yeah i i just pulled up the uh the mythic plus list right now so finally some mythic 20s were done within the time limit there were the two Two Mythic uh, uh, Plus 20s were done. Uh, they're the first ones since the uh, since 7.3 dropped to be done within the time limit. Um, and they were... Uh, uh, Return to Karazhan um, Upper is uh, is the no, one that people seem to be uh, parsing best on. And Well, uh, that makes sense because uh, there's not a lot of trash in there and it's a fortified week along with the, the bursting... Uh, Quakings, whatever, but the bursting... Bursting fortified, you want as little trash as possible, and that's what you get in upper. Yeah, interestingly though, the other plus twenty that was done was in Eye of Ashara. That's so. my if I if I want to get a good time on a, a high key, I is my favorite for that because yeah, uh, bursting can be a bit tricky. Like this week with um, all the kind of like groups of crabs and slimes and murlocs and whatnot. But it's it's so much easier to deal with those poles than it is, say, like uh, some of the poles in Black Rook Hold or something like that, because they just they don't have any abilities. They're non elite, and just kind of like all you have to deal with is the affects uh, mechanic as opposed to uh, any actual abilities from the mobs. Agree. Like I love Eye of Ashara, and I don't really understand why people avoid it. Like I guess casters don't like being pushed around, people but it doesn't interrupt it? your casting. No, it I have a shard is fantastic for high gate. It, it would make me sad if someone's like, you know, I don't want to do that one this week. What kind of key do you want at a higher level that's better than I? I know. Like yeah, I, my, don't, I don't have any problem with I. I love I. My favorites are Halls of Valor, I have a Shara. Um Upper Kara is pretty good, although I've run with some groups that like struggle with it on, on the end boss on Tyrannical. Um, but then again, yeah. that's been on my priest where I can't heal and move. How properly. long ago was that as well? Because that was one that uh, they nerfed like four or five weeks ago. Because oh, before it wasn't that, balanced, yeah, it wasn't that. balanced probably before that. They, I don't know if you saw the hot fixes for it, but it was like no uh, double digit percentage damage reductions on like all the bosses. Damn. Okay. Well, yeah, I haven't had any problems uh, in, recently when running it, but yeah, yeah, it used to groups used to struggle with it. Um, let's see, uh, this, okay, this one surprises me, uh, there was a group that got Black Recold done at plus 19, they're actually on the leaderboard, and hmm. Black Recold is kind of notorious for, oh, geez, actually, there's another one at number 6, uh, Black Recold is kind of notorious for having trash packs that, uh, that will kill people, but they must have been doing something to, like, line of sight them, or they were just really good with stuns, like, uh, uh, the group that did the highest, they were actually using a monk tank. Most of these are a, a demon hunter tank, but they were using a monk tank, druid healer, and then they used uh, a hunter, a druid, and a shaman as their DPS, which is really, like, the pretty much the rest of these groups that are, are getting high parses, 
it's it's warlock, rogue, and then X. But it's pretty much like always rogue and warlock in every one of these groups, and then some other class. Uh, in a lot of cases, warrior, probably for the AOE stun. But uh, that's actually a really unusual group composition in an unusual key to get up that high. I mean, good for them. Yeah, it, that's. Yeah. I don't. There, I can't really think of any affix setup where I'd be like, you know what, Blackrock Hold sounds like it's going to be one of the better ones this week. Yeah, and I, I used to enjoy Black or Cold, but yeah, at those higher scalings, I have I have difficulty with it. Um, one that I usually want to run, but other people don't want to, is Lower Kara. Like, John hates Lower Kara, and I understand why. I understand why, <laughs> because there's huge numbers of, of trash in there. But uh, a lot of, I think what most people run into with difficulty with Lower Kara is that they're not like something I, I notice is really bad with sort of the, your your average like mid high level key runner like people who like to run sort of around what would in current scaling would be kind of like the plus ten plus eleven is that they don't let tanks pull shit back and tanks have learned not to pull things back but in lower Kara in particular you need to pull things back like you have to because they they do multiple overlapping patrols over where the mobs stand. And that's uh, part of the reason why just like communication comes in. And that's essentially where you have to have like Discord or Vent or Mumble or Skype or whatever you want to use. You the tank has to be able to talk to people in the group at a certain point, unless they're like so they unless they've run content like like that specific content several times and they've talked about it beforehand and they just the communication is unspoken. You have to have the tank has to direct traffic on that kind of thing, and they need voice comms to be able to do that because it doesn't make any sense to type it out. Um, the second most common healer for high-level Mythic Plus keys is actually Druid. Do you, can you guys figure that out, like what it is that Druids do or have that allows them? Because usually, I mean, when they're healing, it's not like they're in bear form or whatever. Like, and no, they're not, but when you know there's a huge... They don't have huge... the extra armor. When you know there's a huge damage spike about to come out, you hot up everybody, you instruct them to hit their defensives, you hot up yourself, you go to bear. Yeah, and they still the throughput is still really like actually throughput is really high on druids in general. They just don't have the burst that uh, say a pally does, but otherwise their throughput is actually uh, better than a pally's. So as long as there's not like lethal damage on several people at the same time, they're gonna end up with uh, a higher HPS than a pally will for that window. Yeah, Compared yeah to druids like, have like, the highest throughput, throughput by yeah. by design because they don't have the snap healing. And they have no snap kind of healing there as well. And shaman, I don't know about shaman are weird-ish in that regard. They don't quite have the burst, but they don't quite have the throughput. But they kind of have decent of both at times. But all I can say is that uh, mistweaver still shit. I mean, mistweaver works uh up until the content is really difficult both in raids and mythic plus and then it's kind of garbage yeah i didn't i i did not like the way that that spec was designed right from nope. when it first came out and i've never really tried like I, I i tried it and i'm like because i had to try it just to really have an opinion on it and i, oh, I didn't I like it at it. all it's i i think it's garbage having played a couple of other uh healing specs at this point uh, Miss Weaver would be my absolute last choice because it's 
uh, it's it's burst throughput can be pretty good, but the resulting mana use in that window is horrific. It's just like, all right, I've now used three quarters of my mana in like a 20 second, 30 second window. And I, I the only, Mistweaver being the first uh, healing spec I'd play this expansion is, so it was the only one I knew for a while. And then I started uh, playing with some of the other ones and I was like, uh, why do I have so much mana? I've been doing all the throwing all these heals around. Why I got like most of my mana? What is this? This is this is wonderful. This is glorious. What's going on here? I'm not Oom. <laughs> this is fucking easy mode. Damn, and I thought Priest had mana problems. Oh, Mistweaver's terrible on mana. So okay, uh, you have uh, say for like Shaman and Priest, you have uh, Chain Heal and Prayer of Healing, right? They're kind of like you throw yep. it onto one target and it gets a bunch of other people. The equivalent is Vivify on Mistweaver, where it'll hit one target and it will get, uh, I believe it's two targets, three with a legendary, but it's also one of the ma least mana efficient spells. So if you start casting it out a whole bunch and you're not doing certain combination element things to uh, reduce its mana cost, you can go oom real fast throwing out Vivify. Try doing that with uh, Prayer of Healing, which would be a lot harder, and it's basically impossible with chain heal you could sit there and cast chain heal for like 20 minutes and maybe not even get to half mana yeah it's like to do that kind of mana usage on the the two healing classes that i'm familiar with you have to just like straight up play it wrong essentially like yeah um as a druid you'd have to like just keep on replacing your uh your healing circle over and over again. Like, oh, I wanted a foot to the left. I wanted a foot to the right. I want a foot back. Like, because it's supposed to last thirty seconds, and Isn't its mana that cost how it's is supposed to work. Gamble is is equivalent to that, right? Um, but and and on a priest, it's like you would just have to like just constantly flash heal. Like, you just have to just flash heal over and over and over and over again. Um, and I guess throw in some. Uh, I don't know, prayer of healing. Like it, but See, it's it's hard. It takes a while to oom um yourself. And here's here's the thing, the Mistweaver is like the opposite of the priest in that the only mana efficient spell is kind of their version of the flash heal. Everything else is mana inefficient. But if all you're casting is uh a fuse, which is which is the really efficient one, it does like two hundred thousand healing or something like that. And so you're not gonna keep anyone up at that point. Uh so Jason, now that I since I've got you on, um yeah. is is there a different like talent build that you're wanting to take like as a brewmaster for mythic plus as opposed to raid or are they both pretty there's there's two different well it, say two and a half different builds and basically of one you view as an offensive damage build and the other as a uh like progressive or progression kind of uh i can take a world of damage kind of build yeah see that's the one i'm leaning towards because like i've been tanking for what ken all of five days six yeah, days something like that and just completely learned it from scratch and not a hundred percent sure i'm doing everything right so i instinctively want to go with the keeping myself alive and holding threat because well, you, you want a, a high tolerance build Okay, so yeah, I'll have to look into that because I just I don't know if I'm doing anything wrong or not because everything's going pretty well. Here's one thing that I'll say about um, Monk's expansion is they have one of the best communities in my opinion. I, in large part because they actually had a lot of people stick through the the PTR even when Blizzard was there was 
forget I I bench I know I've mentioned this before in the past, but there's one point during um the beta for Legion where brewmasters are like, this just doesn't work properly, and Blizzard just came out and said, You guys don't know how to play. Just get better and it'll make sense. But it the community is stuck together and like uh, there's a website called Peak of Serenity that has some of the best uh, theory crafting guide kind of stuff that I've seen anywhere. I mean, Wowhead is generally decent as well, and Icy Veins tends to be super hit and miss. But Peak of Serenity for Monks is a, fan pl- a fantastic place to get a ton of information on all three specs. Yeah, see, and for me, I don't... I mean, I'll check it out for sure, because why not? It's kind of... How I learn classes is I, I look into them a little bit, and then I talk to someone who knows way more than I do. <laughs> you're the only brewmaster. You're the only person I know, period, that plays a monk. Monks are super rare, the least played class in the game. I don't but, yeah, understand I like, why. I always thought that brewmaster and uh, windwalker were both great specs. Well, I think the problem they with windwalker have... is it sucks. It sucks right now. It sucks a lot. There's oh, fucking... See, another little short story time. Um, like four or five weeks ago, I Blizz devs held like an AMA on Reddit, and uh, Windwalkers, uh, the head of the Windwalker community is like uh, Babylonius, who's been with it since its inception, and he's just like really got his shit together, really polite. He knows all the ins and outs, everything. And so he got a collection of questions from the like the Windwalker community and the math and all this kind of stuff. And there was a giant shit storm when he started asking questions and just basically got shit answers back in return. And just the entire Windwalker community ripped the living fuck out of the Blizz devs to the point where the Blizz devs had to come back and be like, all right, all right, we understand that these answers weren't acceptable. We're going to try and explain some stuff. But one of the big ones in that was uh, the Windwalker community has math that shows that they scale for shit. Just like they're uh, with each new tier, they get worse and worse because they don't scale. And uh, Babylonius and the Windwalker community put out the math on it. It's like, all right, uh, what are you going to do to fix the scaling issue? Because otherwise you're going to have to just continue to throw band-aids at us until you do come some kind of redesign in the next expansion. And Blizzard in its normal fit of we don't want to admit that there's something wrong basically did that they're like no it's fine it's fine and we don't need to do anything for scaling you'll be fine and uh sure enough like uh the community's like all right that's stupid you're dumb do you actually know what you're doing and sure enough like a week and a half later blizzard had to try and address some of the scaling issues on windwalker because their damage is falling behind and they had to do that just today actually with a hot fix with another like crucible coming out i was about to say i they said like the, the as you've been saying this i was thinking back to that wording of the upcoming hot fix of yeah the, spec the tuning. yeah of the uh, were and they use the word like scaling issues with certain specs yeah. so and, and you that's can interesting at, you to know that the monk the, community was what was behind that you can look at the percentages of what specs are getting the largest percentage increase because Monk is at 3% beyond anything else. Yeah. Yep. 9%, <laughs> just like, 9% flat increase, and it's like... It's probably I'm still not, not enough. I, yeah, I was going to say, no. I'm not sure if it's enough. No, and we'll see what happens when they do this. Yeah, they're having to rebuff patch, but... Feral Druids 
after doing a 33% increase last week. Same, a same flat with the 33% and they're having to increase them again. Yeah, I, I want to say they did like a 24% on the Frost DK and they're having to throw more in there. It's just, it's like, guys, how do you let it get like that? It's like, you know, it's like if, if you go into someone's home and there's just like shit all over the floor or whatever, it's like, you know, you could have picked this up somewhere along. You didn't have to let it well, get like this. I mean, it's easy for us to judge, but I mean, we have no idea how hard it really is, right? I mean, for all we know, they are doing their best. And yes, I agree. Some of their answers are fucking stupid as fuck. Well, but, some of the design uh, positions are stupid as fuck, and they just don't bother to change them. Like, take Brewmaster Relics, where uh, facepalm relics are worth, offensively worth more than any other relic by over 50 item levels. And it's like, because, because of the way that Brewmaster Damage is designed, and Blackout Strike is the only ability that scales with uh, weapon damage, your the eye level of your weapon becomes almost irrelevant in terms of your total damage output which makes the majority of your relics eye level like the relics eye level irrelevant as well and it's like that's stupid design why why does that because now the now the only thing i'm interested in in a relic is what the relic trait is not the eye level yeah it used to be you know talking oh, about like oh, which... and i have to say that blizzard's uh, attempt to fix that slu- fix that problem was to make the desired relic type not drop in tomb. What the hell? <laughs> so that was oh, one of brutal. those big kicks in the balls. It's like you know what, Blizzard, go fuck yourself. Wait, so because it was the best, they just took it out? I I, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but uh, face palm relics do not drop in tomb. So you have to run like high level mythic plus and and hope it you have to forges. you have to hope yeah that you get one and there's only one of each type there's uh one out of uh, halls one out of Neth's lair and one out of somewhere else that I forget at least they're enjoyable instances those are both I like both of those instances those are those are good ones at least you don't have to friggin get it out of like black Recold and lower Kara yeah I mean and thankfully the the catch-up system for Argus means that you can get a specific relic type. I mean, you're not going to get the trait necessarily that you want, but at least you can get the exact relic type. So, so you're saying, like, face palmer, the only ones that you really are going to do any damage? There's, yeah, if you if you want to damage relic, that's by far the best one, where it's like uh, a straight. 2% increase to damage done or something like that if you get that relic type. Uh, and then two defensive ones that if you're interested in defensive relics would be the uh, Breath of Fire one and uh, Potent Brew. Uh, it, it's it's good that monks actually have that, that community, like you said, Peak of Serenity. Um, yeah. they I used to, back when I was tanking on a paladin, uh, I don't know if it's still a thing or not, but main tank it in was really good at like they knew all of the math behind the abilities like you're talking about. So you would, so you could go there and find out, oh, okay, so this actually does scale with weapon damage. Like you're talking about, okay, this one would scale with spell power. This is like, and then you would know because you knew the mechanics behind the class, you knew how you were going to scale based on what kind of gear you got. And you knew how to build your character as a result. Um, I haven't found that kind of information on any classes I've been playing for years. When you said potent brew, did you mean potent kick? No. I'm not seeing potent brew anywhere. 
Sack, I might have had the name wrong. I, I see Hot-Blooded. That's the Breath of Fire one. Yes. But all I... Uh, there, there's no other brew ones. Definitely no potent anything. It's potent kick. Yeah, I must have that. I'll, I'll get back to you in a sec here. Okay. Cause, oh, <laughs> no, it is, it is potent kick, but it's... I, I always think of it as potent brew because it affects the brews. I'm not entirely sure why it's called... It, it, it must be like... The suggestion that the drink you're having has a kick to it. Yeah, I, I, I think I, so. Yeah. Yes, because that's one of the ones I have that I thought was Which really is a, fucking good. It it it's yeah. Defensively, it's really good, and it it helps the gameplay of the brews a bit better because it increases the duration and whatnot. But yeah. Because yeah, with the brews only like stacking up to what like twenty three, twenty four seconds. Yeah. I I constantly find myself almost forgetting and only catching it when there's like two or three seconds left yeah which can be a problem depending on what content you're currently doing if you let your uh, iron screen brew drop off you can that's the one point where a brewmaster can just be devastated all right how, i think we could long... continue this on on discord but i think this is the, the cast has probably gone on for long enough <laughs> Fair enough. so i'm gonna stop the recording but uh thanks guys Yep. Yep. Everybody needs to start their own fire.